You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this special episode of KCSN Update. BJ Kissel hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller to break down a little bit of your thoughts, Matt, on the Chiefs' bills and obviously talk about the marquee matchup this weekend in the AFC with the Chiefs and the Ravens meeting for the AFC Championship game. We've been talking about it all week, the sixth straight AFC title game for Patrick Mahomes and company. Uh, Matt, first of all, thank you for joining us. I know this is getting into your busy season with the NFL draft stuff all kind of kicking into high gear right now. It is, but not for you guys yet, which is normal. Uh, as long as I've known you, BJ, Chiefs fans do not care about the NFL draft until February, which is, I uh, enjoy it. You're blessed. I was actually telling my wife and kids, you know, as you can see, I, this finger, I grew up a Niners fan and I didn't see them have a losing season until I was like 20 years old. So it's like, enjoy it uh, while you can. Uh, and you know, you're on a special ride right now. So we'll talk draft stuff later for you guys. Uh, this is a good class for where the Chiefs have some needs, but right now those needs don't matter. I'm, I'm excited to see a road AFC championship game for Patrick Mahomes and that crew. For And you know Patrick uh, pretty well, and it's funny how much the storyline of Patrick Mahomes never playing a road playoff game as if he's never played a big game with pressure in an environment like that. And at this point in his career, Matt, I don't know how you feel about it, I actually thought it was going to be a good thing that he goes on the road and just kind of gets that that edge and that kind of, and Bills fans made it easy by throwing snowballs at him apparently throughout the game, uh, especially after the game, but I thought it was actually a good thing for this group. They've got that championship pedigree. That that was not one of the top 10 most important games that Patrick Mahomes has played in his career or somewhere between 6 and 10. It wasn't a top 5 game uh, for him going into yeah. that one that he was able to feed off that energy in a way that was actually a positive thing while a lot of people were trying to make it seem like, how's he going to respond? I'm like, I know exactly how he's going to respond. Yeah. One of my favorite things, BJ, and I know you've worked around professional athletes for a long time as well, is that the the general public is like, man, they don't care about that stuff. You know, like when the mayor of Cincinnati's going on Twitter and talking trash or when they're renaming Arrowhead, Burrowhead, they're like, oh, the players don't care about that. They absolutely do. And for Patrick to even say, like, okay, no one's, you know, he's got Bobby Stroop tweeting every negative thing said about him throughout the week, and you know he's getting a print out of that, or it's at least getting sent to his phone. So, yes, um, you know, I used to say this about Tom Brady. Why would you give that man any needed ammunition? Like, why? Why would you write him off ever? And I, I think that's important. You know, this week there hasn't been as much, you know, I haven't seen it at least. I haven't watched a ton of TV yet this week of as many people doubting. Uh, we'll see where we're at, you know, Sunday morning. But I, I think that game at least quieted some of the critics. But I will say I've been asked about Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens a lot more this week on a national level than I've been asked about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So I do think the the the, the big, you know, 40,000-foot view from the national football media is that this could be Lamar Jackson's coronation, you know, as opposed to Patrick Mahomes continuing to be Patrick Mahomes. It was the same thing. And last week with Josh Allen, that was a legacy game for Josh Allen. And that regardless, and it sucks for him the way that it played out. Josh Allen played phenomenal in that game. He did not make any mistakes that I said all week. Like he's going to give you a couple opportunities to make some plays because I felt like he was going to be so juiced up trying to prove that he's the alpha that he's on that level. He's going to make a couple of mistakes. And to his credit, he didn't. But 
still, Chiefs were able to prevail. Now, in that game against the Bills, I want to get a couple thoughts on that before we look ahead to the Ravens, but as that game played out, what was the most surprising thing to you, I guess, going into that game as far as how you thought it would play out and then what we ended up seeing transpire between the Chiefs and Bills? Yeah, I really thought early in the game, first half, I was surprised at the Chiefs' inability to stop the run, whether that was James Cook or Josh Allen. And I I don't remember off the top of my head the exact rushing yards they gave up. So somebody's going to come up and be like, they only gave up 48 yards rushing or something. But it was more like thing. I did the exact you know, same thing, the same take, and somebody yeah. was like, they only had this yards per carry. Yeah. They got chunk plays at the extra offensive they line. Did. They did, and that's that's exactly what I mean. Is like the, the runs that they had felt impactful, you know, and it was like just keeping the defense so unbalanced because they were having success running the ball. That was probably the biggest surprise to me. And then to see that, you know, kind of change in the second half, I think it's a credit to Spags and that defense. But early on, you know, positives for Buffalo, I feel like Josh was just cooking. Like Joe Brady was calling a great game. They were they were in such a good rhythm, you know, and they they had Kansas City off balance. And I think we saw that at times. And then, you know, the fake punt. It feels like everything changed on that fake punt. But I, I think positives for Kansas City, obviously getting Travis going, two touchdowns for Kelsey. Uh, he's great. Um, I, I think that bodes well coming into the week, uh, going against a Baltimore team that is a ferocious defense. But then, you know, the continued development of Rasheed Rice into a number one receiver for this team the last eight weeks has been fantastic to watch. And I, I think, like you said, you know, Josh had to play mistake-free. So Patrick, you know, he had to play mistake-free football. The Buffalo secondary, I'm going to say this is like a draft guy. The Buffalo secondary is not that good. Um, so I, I kind of thought Patrick would have some opportunities. Um, but, you know, Baltimore is different. Baltimore is, yeah. I think, a more physical, uh, more disciplined. And it's just a, it's a more complicated scheme. Yeah, and both Miami and Buffalo were also banged up at the linebacker position where the Chiefs were able Absolutely. to exploit and yeah. kind of target some of those areas where Baltimore, not only are they not banged up in the middle of the defense, they have the best right. tandem of linebackers maybe across the, the NFL besides maybe your your career. I was going to say, I was going to jump all over you on that one, man. I Red Warner, Trey Greenlaw. Best in the AFC. Queen and, Queen and Smith are, and I should probably say Roquan and Queen because Roquan's the dog bear. I mean, it is it is a very, very good middle-of-the-field defense, so that I know we'll jump into that too here. Yeah, I and going back, I, I love the chess match when you get into this time of the season because nobody's holding anything back. They're going to game plan to wherever they think they have an advantage, and everybody made a big deal. Not that they didn't make plays. I'm talking Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. That's how the game was billed. But yet, yet when you look back at the game, what stood out about schematically what Buffalo did? They went six offensive linemen and ran the football early in that game to yep. a lot of success. Josh Allen completed 16 passes behind the line of scrimmage, which is the most in the next-gen stats era, only completed two passes past the sticks, and yet he played a yep. really good game. So I said the same thing on our show on Monday and that Joe Brady should get a lot of credit for the way that he kind of managed Allen in that game, and it didn't put him in situations where he may be tempted to do something he shouldn't. And then on the Chiefs' side, yes, Isaiah Pacheco, the— Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney were phenomenal in that game. But from a schematic and just a game plan perspective, Chiefs ran 13 personnel more in that game than they have since dating back to 2016. So both teams going heavy with Chiefs with tight ends, Buffalo with the extra offensive linemen, and kind of not combating that Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, but it ended up not being schematically what we thought we were going to see when that game started. Um, Yeah, and then... Yeah, go ahead. And I'll say real quick, because I tweeted this and you reminded me, Blake Bell's downfield blocking deserves so much credit. And I'm sure you guys gave him praise too. But, you know, it's not always about the receptions that he and Noah Gray have. It's about blocking out on the edge or even, you know, 
we've seen Patrick running, I think, a lot more as of late. Their ability to block down the field is is truly amazing. And it keeps it keeps things really interesting when somebody's in the open field. So I just want to make sure I shout those guys out because there was I mean, there were multiple times where I was, you know, was that Sunday night, Saturday night, my whole week is a blur right now. Where, you know, Sunday night, where you're like, man, it just felt like Blake was making so many big plays away from the ball. Yeah, and the the other two, I mean, obviously the fake punt, which you mentioned being one of the biggest plays in the game, but for me, the two biggest plays, one on each side, um, and then the situation they overcame. Uh, I want to kind of wrap this up with uh, thoughts on the Bills game and then talk Ravens, but, you know, McCole Hardman's fumble, um, and it's not which one that he... <laughs> good point. Uh, speaking of what, I actually shout out Justin Watson, who took the ball away on a first fumble, because the guy for the Bills had that yep. in his hands, Justin Watson took it away. Uh, it's one of those just hidden plays that not a lot of people are going to give credit for that should. Um, but it's not necessarily the McColl fumble and what that meant to the game. It's the way that the Chiefs on the road in a hostile environment and it momentum completely shifting. And I saw the the prop the win probability for the Bills went from like fifteen percent to like forty percent on one play when McColl Hardman mm-hmm. fumbled it. But the way the Chiefs responded, particularly on the defensive side, and kind of stepped up after that, that's the non-quantifiable or you can't figure out it's hard to put a finger on what a championship pedigree looks like and to me that's the example of fans and everyone just being like oh that's it that's the dagger that's the thing that we're going to be talking about that's going to kill us uh and the reason that we're talking tomorrow about if he just wouldn't have done that but instead they overcame it uh and proved me wrong and then i said if the chief lose the turnover battle i think they'll lose the game they didn't uh yeah stepped up well i think that surprised us all well, and then the other one was the George Karloftis. Uh, his batted play on third and five was the, I think at yeah. that time there had been five consecutive drives that led to lead changes. You're just back and forth, whoever's going to have the ball last. And then on third and five, George Karloftis coming up free off the edge, which without breaking down the entire play, knowing that Steve Spagnolo has more free rushers coming than any other team in the NFL. He's very good at scheming this stuff up. George Karloftis went and made a play in the biggest of all. Yeah, no, Carl Lachis has been great all playoffs, and in, and even in the the weeks leading up to the playoffs, as has Charles Amenehu. Um, I was a little surprised by some of the Chiefs' personnel. You know, I think we saw more Mike Pennell than we've probably seen all year. I uh, I know you guys do the snap breakdown, but it it felt like they were trying to combat that you know heavy front the Bills were running, and so uh, especially early in the game, I was a little surprised by some of the personnel, but it worked. And you know, Spags, I heard him say this on the broadcast, which. I'm not the biggest fan of the CBS broadcast, but I, I heard them say one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. I think this is NFL history. And, you know, it's like when you look at what he did with the Giants, when you look at what he's done with the Chiefs, then might, he might have a case for that. He really might. Yeah. it. Uh, and Mike Pinnell, Derek Nottie being out with the injury probably propped Mike Pinnell up a little bit. But I remember thinking with the less than four minutes to go that Malik Herring was out on the field. And I against Malik Herring. But I was like, there's four minutes left to go in right. the game of the year. And, um, Lee Caring's out there, uh, but to your point, it could have been to combat some of the stuff in the run game and try to put some more some more beef up there. Um, but, Matt, I want to talk with you about the matchup uh, against the Ravens and the storylines and matchups that you're looking forward to watching play out, and we're going to talk with you about that right after this quick break. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. kcsn.substack.com We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to KCSN Update. BJ Kissel hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller, the pride of Lamar, Missouri, <laughs> residing in the huge city of Joplin. The, I was going to say, the big city now. The best draft analyst to come out of the city of Joplin. I'll, I will accept that compliment. Thank you. You put the billboard up. Put the sign up. Right. Driving into down by the blue top in. All right, Matt, let's talk a little bit about Chiefs Ravens. And uh, let's start on Chiefs defense versus the Ravens defense. Uh, Chiefs offense, Ravens defense. What in that matchup are you most looking forward to watching play out? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly want to see how much respect the Ravens play to Travis Kelsey. Um, I think if we had talked about this game last year, it would have been, how do you stop? How do you stop 87? Or how much attention are you going to have to give to him? You know, is it Kyle Hamilton over the top with Roquan Smith underneath? Like, what do you do to take away 87? And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Travis's. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's one or two greatest tight end of all time. Um, his play this year has not been at a level where you would say, hey, we got we to gotta take two all-pro defenders to stop this guy. So I'll be really curious to see what Mike McDonald does. Do you do you look at Travis and say, hey, like, just like everyone has played this team, you know, the same way this year. Do you just say, we're going to, you know, put a body over the top and we're going to kind of, you know, almost play zone underneath. Like, what are, what are they doing? Uh, to take him away because you start to do that. And I think that's why we've seen Pacheco have so many early success running the ball games because teams are still giving Travis that respect over the top without a speed receiver. That's what's crazy about this team right now is there's not that over the top speed receiver. So teams can, you know, pay that much more attention to 87. So I think MVS having the big catch down the sideline, Patrick Mahomes might be the greatest leader in the history of the NFL because he keeps throwing that guy the ball after being let down so many times. I, I think that might, you know, you're going into the week saying, okay, now maybe we do have to worry about that a little bit. But I think the chess match between Mike McDonald, DC of the Ravens, and how the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey is what I'll, I'll really be focusing in on. Obviously, you know, can you protect Mahomes? Sounds like Joe Tooney might be out as we're recording this. That's terrifying uh, for the run game. But, um, I think I think Kelsey is still the he's the guy you're circling in meetings all week. Okay, what are we doing with 87? And how much respect they show him will tell me a lot, at least, about where this game is going to go. Yeah, and it, Joe Tooney looks like he's not going to be playing, and Nick Allegretti will step in. And the good thing is Nick Allegretti's played some really big football games. He's got some yep. experience. Yep. And he's also one of the uh, – Coach Reed will always call him like energy givers. And Nick Allegretti is one of those fired up – like he'll – he brings some juice with him out onto the field. Uh, which should be good. And I want to ask about the Ravens pass rush. Cause anytime we've ever seen 
any quarterback, it's not just Mahomes, any quarterback struggle, it's when you can get pressure with four. When you just win up front and dominate up front, every offense is going to struggle a little bit. In the matchup last week against the Bills, Ed Oliver, interior pass rusher for the Bills, had the most pressures for them this season. And Daquan Jones, who had missed some time with an injury, only played in seven games, but he was their highest graded pass interior pass rusher for the Bills. Those two guys combined for zero pressures against the Chiefs because Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney, while he was in there, and then when Allegretti stepped in, had maybe their best game of the season. Those guys were absolutely phenomenal up front. Now you're going from Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver to the Ravens front. If the Ravens are going to, and they're good at every level, but what about that group up front for the Ravens potentially having the the ability to just wreck a game. Who is the guy that you've got to account for up front with an offensive line that's proven to be able to do it, but what's that look like this week? Yeah, I mean, you got to stop Justin Matabuke. Like, that's the guy. And I, I think this is a different Ravens team schematically, personnel-wise, from what we all kind of grew up expecting, like those great outside edge rushers. They're best edge rushers at three-tech, and which is why I said it's kind of terrifying that Joe Tooney's going to be out because Matabuke is, I mean... He could have been an All Pro this year. Um, he, he was that he was that talented, that dominant. He's just not a household name like an Aaron Donald or a Chris Jones. So it's not getting talked about that much. But he's the guy. Like if I'm in defensive meetings this week, he's the guy in terms of the front four that I am very very worried about because the first step quickness is fantastic. He's got a ton of natural leverage, and his motor is just nonstop. It's go go go. So this is a team that has a ton of speed at linebacker. Um, you know, Jadeveon Clowney has kind of revitalized himself in this defense. We know how great he is against the run, but, you know, he stepped up a lot more as a pass rusher as well. Um, it's a very, you know, they've got a great mix of veterans with you know, Kyle Van Noy, Clowney, but then they've got like the young dudes with uh, Ode, uh, Owe, Odafi Owe, excuse me, um, who's got a ton of speed. So they're, they're really, they can bring it in waves, I think, which is where you want to be. That's where everything's trying to be now. But it's, it's I think, more... And this is like how McDonald was in Michigan too. It's a team where you're fundamentally really sound and you might have like a star, yeah. but the other five or six guys are just all, you know, badasses who don't make mistakes. I think that's more where this team is as opposed to like, you know, you play Cleveland. It's like, okay, we got to worry about Miles Garrett. Yeah. It's like, no, you know, with Baltimore, it's more, you got to worry about the scheme and, and the versatility. Yep. That's why it's going to be fun to watch. And Matabuke made himself some money this year as a Good, in fact, did he? As I'm wearing yeah. all juice in honor of Therese Paler, contract <laughs> year being undefeated, and Batabuke got himself yeah. paid. So he might not be a household name. He will be when people see that contract. Uh, yeah. All right, let's flip to the other side, talk about the Ravens offense against the Chiefs defense. Where are the matchups you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews will be back, so that, that will be interesting to see how healthy he is. I think Isaiah likely has been fantastic in his absence. Like That's a guy you have to worry about. I think the good news for Kansas City is you know, I, I think the strength of this team, I mean, it's strong all over. It's a great defense. But, you know, you've got really smart young players in the secondary. Uh, Justin Reed has really impressed me the last few weeks, kind of the veteran presence here. But you know how much I love Legereus Need and have for a long time. McDuffie's an all-pro for good reason. And so you're going to match up a huge advantage for Kansas City in the secondary over Baltimore's wide receivers. We saw last week, though, Lamar doesn't have to throw for a ton of yards to beat you. You know, he does it with precision in the red zone. He does it with his legs. So I think the other good news is you have, you've got speed at linebacker. Willie Gay is incredibly fast. We see, uh, hopefully we get to see Willie Gay. Drew Tranquil is incredibly underrated for just how well he puts himself in the right position to make plays. And then, you know, Nick Bolton, 
not the fastest linebacker in the NFL, but it was certainly one of the most instinctive and one of the smartest. So I actually like the matchup. Um, you know, Baltimore's run game uh, is predicated on Lamar, and so you're you're yeah. gonna have to stop number eight. Like everything revolves around how do we stop number eight. No one has an answer for that. I'm not going to pretend to have the answer for that because, yeah. you know, you can be Bill Polian and say, make him throw from the pocket. He does what he did last week. So, yeah. you know, you just got to hope Lamar makes a mistake. And I, I don't even know that you can, quote unquote, force him into those mistakes. You just, you're kind of hoping that, you know, he leaves the ball while he's running or something crazy like that happens because he is playing at an MVP level. And, and yeah. you know, Houston's defense is not Kansas City's defense, but, you know, he absolutely rocked them in the second half. So um, you got to bottle up Zay Flowers. I think Trent McGuffey can do that. Um, you just got to tackle this team. Like that's honestly, yeah. it, let me, it all goes back to that. Point number one, you have to tackle this team because they're so damn good in space. You know, Lamar is slippery. Zay is slippery. Just if you can tackle, you're going to, I think you're going to win this game. Yeah, and it brings a great, great point. And Lamar, I've never been a Lamar hater or doubter. I just, I've doubted his ability yeah. to win three games in the playoffs against really good teams having to complete three or four big-time third-down throws. I just hadn't seen that from him. He hasn't proven that he can do that uh, yet, but then the Ravens went out and got guys where he didn't have to complete a 12-yard pass down the field on third. Right. He's a throw to Zay Flowers, who's going to have five yards of separation, four yards down the field. He's going to make one move, and he's going to pick up uh, the run after the catch. He's going to pick up that first down, which I thought was brilliant with what the Ravens did this offseason, bringing in Zay Flowers. Odell, Rashad Baton, Nelson Aguilar, getting these guys who can go out and make plays. <clears throat> but for me, the matchup to watch or what I'm, I think going to be the key of the game are the two defensive ends for the Chiefs and how they, A, do the zone read and the RPO stuff and all the stuff that gets Lamar out in space. It's not real wide he likes to get. He's a slasher, wants to get up the field. Yeah. Can Nick Bolton, can Drew Tranquil, can Willie Gay fill the lanes and can the defensive ends? And they can't line up and do it. They can't just scrape exchange every single time where a linebacker comes around. You have to mix it up. Can they can consistently bottle up or confuse the blocking assignments, the gaps? All of a I'm not going to yep. pretend to know all the X's and O's, but I know going up against him that a lot's going to be on the defensive ends because if that's who's being read, they need to be able to mix it up and do some different things. And that's why Spags gets all the credit he does for what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, and I and I've been waiting to see more of uh, Menahue and Jones playing inside together. This might be the week yeah. because you want you want range from your D tackles this week. Um, this this might be the time to to have those two inside and Karloff this and Mike Dana on the outside. Um, yeah. That that might be the look I go with up front um, because not that I don't respect Baltimore's running backs, but you're not game planning against you know Dalvin Cook at this point in his career. You're not you know you're not game planning against the running backs. You're game planning against the the second effort run game. So. Yeah, I don't. Lamar's just dangerous. There's not a you can you can be angry and old and say keep him in the pocket. He can't beat you, and he's going to prove you wrong. Um, and I think by containing him, you don't want to give these wide receivers any extra time to get open because they're going to do it. So if you have a, a rush plan of containment instead of attacking, yeah. gosh, you know, you, it's like you know you're damned if you do, damned if you don't with how you defend this guy right now. Yeah, I think. Looking at the Bills game, one of the frustrating things, especially early in that game that you and I were talking about earlier, is Bills seemed like they were getting seven and eight yards on first down every time. So that by the time they, they even when they got the third down, is very manageable uh, kind of distance. Yeah. Again, with Lamar, not to be the old man obvious of create third and long situations, but don't let him run for seven yards consistently on first down, and you're yeah. yourself in a much better position. 
and not have these second and two. That's the most terrifying down and distance for me, especially going up against Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Second and two, it's like this is a play action shot play. If I said we're in say flowers could be wide yeah. open, there's nothing you can do about it. Is this a, an appropriate time to mention how hard Brett Beach was trying to trade up to get Zay Flowers, or is this the wrong time? I don't hear that. Zay Flowers, yeah, you know what? Many assets we had for Zay Flowers ready to go. We had interviewed him at the Shrine Bowl. We had highlight packages. I was all excited, and then the dream just got It was going to be per. I mean, you got Rishi Rice, who's fantastic. Fantastic. I feel like that moment where I'm like looking back at Zay and right. Rice, like, I'm the best. It's not like you couldn't have had both of them. You know, could have drafted both. So. Uh, yeah, I love Rasheed. He's Rasheed Rice is becoming a favorite player. I live with three Chiefs fans. They all, to the point that my son was like, "Is that Jerry Rice's son?" I was like, "No, he's just playing like it, uh, but not his son." Uh, He'll look awesome next to Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. I'm gonna be a great tandem for. I don't know how you're pulling that off. I don't. I don't know. I trust uh, trust in Veach. And speaking of Brett Veach, I want a chance to give flowers a little bit uh, to Brett and what he's been able to do here because. I'm just looking at the PFF grades just for relative scores um, amongst each other. Look at some of the top guys, obviously Chris Jones being up there, but Trent McDuffie, uh, Shamari Connor is the third highest rated player as a rookie. He steps off left. Leo Chanel, yeah. Leo Chanel, Josh Williams, Legereus Sneed, Jalen Watson. Like all these guys are late round, mid round draft picks that aren't just playing well, but they're playing phenomenal. Again, for a defense that along with the Dallas Cowboys, depending upon yards, points per game, however you want to look at, they were top three defense from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. It was the youngest defense in the NFL, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is a credit, not just to Steve Spagnuolo for being able to get these guys on the same page to run a complicated scheme, all kinds of blitz looks and the timing and the the spacing, all that stuff being so important. But Brett Veach for, for bringing in that talent. Same thing on the offensive side. You just mentioned Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco being a seventh-round pick, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, and the list goes on and on of the guys he's brought in here. I don't know if, Brett, we give Andy Reid a lot of credit. We give Patrick Mahomes. There's so many people that need to get the credit that during the season, I don't feel like Brett Veach gets enough credit. And the only time he's discussed is, why didn't they, when they was uh, offensive right. record, why didn't they bring in George Pickens? Why did they draft McColl over DK Metcalf? It's like yeah. that crap where you can do that for every draft pick ever made. I don't tell a draft guy that. But that stuff drives me crazy. Yeah. Revisionist history drives me crazy when you're talking about this golden age of Chiefs football and financially they're set up well, especially this was a rebuilding year financially yeah, supposed for to the be, cap yeah. space. Like it, they're set up to be able to attack and do some things this offseason, and yet they're still finding success in the interim because of the talent that Brett's brought in. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. Andy gets a lot of credit. Patrick gets a lot of credit, deservedly so. Uh, but I, I do think it's, you know, look at the team that's been built to be able to, I was just telling Bill's fans this the other day, um, to be able to, you know, we see a lot of teams, young quarterback, okay, we're going to load up to try to win now. And Buffalo fell short. Kansas City is a great example of how you do that, how you keep your stars around your young quarterback and win, and then transition to, all right, we got to start getting rid of some of these guys. We're going to retire out some guys. You know, we're going to lose Eric Fisher. We're going to lose Mitchell Schwartz. We got to replace. We got to rebuild. You know, we're going to lose, you know, uh, Traverius Ward. We're going to lose Tyree Kill. We got to rebuild, you know, and, and build a shuffle from a Tyran Matthew to a Shamari Connor and and be okay. Says a lot about, you know, drafting for your profile, knowing your coordinators and what they want and say, and, and having the, the trust in each other to sit down in those meetings in March and April and say, all right, Spags, you know, we're going to have to replace Chris Jones. We can, you know, that's, that's a tall order, but I know what you like. I know what you need. Here are 
five, six defensive tackles that fit that profile that are in our range where we can get in the draft. Watch these guys. They know, let's figure this out. I think they've done that well. And yeah, there are misses at wide receiver because of that, you know, because I think they were trying to fit a profile a little too hard, uh, especially early in, in Patrick's career. But Rasheed Rice is fantastic. He's the best rookie wide receiver in the NFL. Um, fantastic pick. And um, I know we'll, we'll have more time to get into needs and, and the draft and things like that after the, the season ends. But uh, it is, it's an exciting time to see the way that they've set the table with a young, not, not just young because they're 23, 24 running around, but young because they're cheap. And that's like, that's the part, like you hate to say it out loud, but like you need, you need that when you're paying your quarterback, you know, you, you have to have that inexpensive labor. And this defense is, you know, I, I need to pull it up when we're done talking. The the offensive spending versus defensive spending in Kansas City would be really fun to look at, especially for next year. Uh, if you've got a new D tackle in there, yeah, the wide receiver room took up twenty million dollars in cap total. Tyreek Hill was like, and a lot of that's MVS. So. Yeah, he's he's eleven million. He's more right. than half of it. This cap space, I think his cap hits eleven million dollars, and the Chiefs are like at twenty overall. Uh, but Matt, I am not going to let you go without uh, a little draft talk. So give me. Three names you like for the Chiefs at pick number thirty-two. Or pick yeah, yeah, at thirty-two. at thirty-one. At thirty. Oh, I will say if it's Chiefs Niners again, we're gonna we're gonna be together watching that game. Uh, right. That's that's a promise. Uh, okay, I still my my Dak Pre- our Dak Prescott bet. I'm still still. Off. I didn't remember this bet. What was our Dak Prescott bet? They never win the NFC title with Cowboys. Well, yeah, you're you're looking very right currently on that one okay so at 32 now that we've run my credibility um i still i think that wide receiver is a big need i will preface this by saying you know we could see a left tackle a defensive tackle a corner depending on what happens with sneed crossing my fingers that he's back with you guys because i love sneed um but three names at wide receiver that i think can realistically be there xavier worthy from texas i think everybody who watches this knows i'm a longhorn Worthy is being slept on right now because he's like 175 pounds at six foot one. But I do think he's the best vertical stretch threat in the draft. Cleaned up some of his drop issues, uh, played harder this past year, which was a knock on him. It just seems to have clicked. You know, he understands how hard he has to work. He was bought in this year and and thrived because of it. So he would be that answer to, you know, you, Rasheed Rice runs a four five one. He's a really good player, but he runs a four five one. You need somebody who can take the top off the defense. Xavier Worthy would be that dude. Uh, Devontae Walker from North Carolina. If we see that early run on wide receivers, Tez would be a- another really good fit. Somebody who's going to be, you know, up the seam uh, to the sideline, vertical, very physical, great concentration in-, in terms of hands, you know, with traffic around him. Uh, I Going from Kent State to North Carolina, you have to sit out early in the year, but, he- but he's fantastic as a downfield threat. Um Let's go one more. Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. He'll be at the Senior Bowl. He's probably the best receiver that's going to be at the Senior Bowl. 6'3", 227. Incredibly physical. So not that vertical stretch guy, but if you want like the A.J. Brown type where like, hey, this dude's going to run a slant and then he's going to break tackles. No one's really going to want to F with him. He's got the ball in his hands. Like He can be kind of that, that dog that you need a little bit of. But again, this is going to be fascinating because we could be sitting here in, in the middle of April talking about defensive tackles instead you know uh, instead of wide receiver depending on what happens it's a very good free agent wide receiver class it really is it's the deep draft for wide receivers offensive tackles and corners uh which is where i think you could maybe argue the chief's three biggest needs are so uh, it'll be fun i love it i love it 
I would love it if we could start some rumors. We can start them on this show. Say some bad things about no. Harrison Jr. Try it. Lower Not going to do it. Profile a little bit. It wouldn't matter. Striking distance. Just get him within striking distance. Yeah, I'll put a basket. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. And you, I don't even know who I could recommend that you might trade to get higher in the draft. It's just not it's not that kind of year where teams are going to be willing to, to to move on at the top good news for you he's probably going to the nfc it's the way it looks right now so you're not going to have to worry about seeing him a whole lot that's good all right matt miller from espn man we appreciate it make sure you're following matt at nfl draft scout on social media and cover getting all of his coverage getting ready for the nfl draft here in just a few months i know you've got uh, the senior bowl coming up we'll be down at the shrine bowl we can exchange notes on what we said there we, go. There. we got some we got a handful of local guys jason bean hey you quarterback just announced that he'll be at the shrine bowl so we'll be talking that's awesome week. yeah uh matt man we appreciate it when you're there bj real quick jatavian yes. sanders texas tight end tom i said hello and spent some time there because that's my this is my dream chief second round pick tight end jatavian sanders so. we will talk with him and i will name drop matt miller told me to talk to you All right so we appreciate it, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll have plenty more content getting you ready for Chiefs and Ravens, as always, at KCSN. We appreciate your support. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without you guys listening, watching, and all that good stuff. So we appreciate you. Have a great week. Be kind. We'll see you next time.